The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. So we are back, and we have Riverdale news. Well, news adjacent. It's the trailer, which is very exciting. Uh, it is giving, like, uh, first Riverdale, Riverdale season one, uh, which is I really appreciate. I mean, it makes sense. We're going back to high school. We're going back to high school in the 50s. It's just a lot of fun. Like, it's bonkers fun. Like, some of it doesn't quite make sense, but does it need to? It's Riverdale. No. No. <laughs> no no sense needs to be made. <laughs> but briefly, can I just, like, celebrate that we manifested this and it came, yeah. like, an hour yes. after we finished recording last week? <laughs> uh, the gods were in our favor. Um, no, but I agree. Totally fun. And I think that's uh, what we love about Riverdale. It doesn't need to make sense, but as long as we enjoy it and we have fought a good time while we're watching it, and I know that some of the later seasons maybe got a bit convoluted here or there. This just looks like hard, stone cold, fun and a good time. And I think if Riverdale's going to go out in any way, that's the best way to go out. So I hope the show itself lives up to those expectations because the the bar has been raised just by that trailer alone. Fingers crossed. It's a really exciting trailer. And I am happy the mole that was like, you know what? We're just going to give it to them now. Because like, <laughs> we said before the pod episode goes up and it literally was way before the pod episode went up, which makes me f- think about our impact. Like how much more <laughs> could we our possibly are, ask? We're just so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, just so much we could ask for. But it, renewal news. I'm just going to put that out there. Renewal news yep. for Walker Independence and Winchesters. Yeah. We'll take that as we talk more about Riverdale. So <laughs> I think what's so exciting about the Riverdale season seven trailer is that it is fun and it is ridiculous in parts and there's a bunch of aesthetic, but also the story is intriguing because you have Jughead trying to tell them that, you know, we're actually from the future and they send us to the past and we have to get back. And they're all like, why are we brought here? Well, who are you? What are we talking <laughs> What are we talking about? And meanwhile, Archie's like, uh, I don't know, it's pretty great here. I don't know why you're concerned. Like, why are you stressed out? <laughs> We're having the time of our lives. And that's so Archie. God, I love him. <laughs> but yeah, like, I I love the story so far. It seems like season six was a struggle story. And that's this is definitely a branch off of that story. But it seems like they're like, you know what? We have one last run. Let's just do everything we've ever wanted to do. And that's kind of the mindset that I'm holding myself accountable to go into the season with like i'm gonna leave expectations on the welcome mat (laughs) i'm just gonna go into it and be like yeah one last hurrah with riverdale show me what you got roberto (laughs) yeah i'm with you on that and i feel like that trailer definitely set the stage or set the stage for that because at the end of the day yeah 
season six was a bit of a struggle and this is the the show's chance to kind of make lemonade out of lemons because I know we're carrying on from that but like this looks like it could be a lot of fun and it looks like back to basics is the important thing here it looks like we could be going back to where the show started and everyone knows season one was its glory days and the fact that we maybe get to go out on a season that looks like season one but really plays into those 50s like aesthetics and themes more so than season one did Riverdale was a bit of an anomaly because it looked like a different time period than the one it was set in but now we're going full scale into that time period and I can't wait to see what kind of stories they tackle but generally I just hope it's a lot of fun that you can turn your mind off and have a good time for 40 minutes for 20 however many episodes and just appreciate Riverdale for what it was let's not overcomplicate things let's just have a good time watching Riverdale because that's what it all started as that's yeah. a good way to segue into the ship yeah. situation <laughs> in the trailer <laughs> well it's like the so I'm enjoying the Easter eggs that they've put into these ships. I mean, you had like Cheryl and Archie, that hasn't been a thing since season one. And that was like a little pit stop to her discovery of Yeah, herself. that was like a barely a thing. Wasn't yeah. she just like obsessed with him for no reason? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and then so and then so we're gonna do that again, but now we're gonna escalate it to potentially being married at some point, which like Fun. Oh, like just a mess, right? And then Silly. you have less. <laughs> you have the redo of the Archie scene where he's like, She's a movie star. And like and they're riding away in like the car. And I just I feel like each ship that has some grounding in it is going to be fun. And then the ones that they put together, which you know are not going to last, like Betty and um, the actor's name is Casey. What is it? Kevin. Okay, so <laughs> Betty and Kevin, Betty and Kevin uh, which that can't possibly last. But it's going to be cute to see their friendship um, and how they navigate it and what exactly Betty is looking for from that relationship because Kevin is giving her nothing. He's giving her nothing in that trailer. Uh, as we also prepare for uh clay to show up and what that's going to be like for kevin not to do i mean is it spoiler if it happened in the comics i'll just keep that to myself but google <laughs> <laughs> if you feel like things world google clay and kevin and you'll you'll know um, why it's important that clay is here now uh well what other ships were there oh bughead is canon finally <laughs> finally <laughs> Oh gosh, what started out as a joke has become reality and I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me too. That, it felt like that corner of the ship world it never went to. So I really am I'm glad they're going there in the final season just to see what it could look like. I don't I, I I'm not a Vughead end game kind of shipper. I don't think that's gonna happen, but like go big or go home, and I hope that's what Riverdale does. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I think he's also in the classic crown, which like yes, even yeah. adds a little stamp of cuteness to it. And then there's there is like seated Barchy stuff. I don't know what's happening there. I don't know if we're like we're like besties, but Betty's feeling something and Archie's distracted with with what's going on with Cheryl and Veronica or what. I know he got smacked in the face with some hairspray, his poor eyes. Uh <laughs> and then who who else is paired? There's so many pairs in in the trailer alone. Oh, Tabitha and in um Jughead close at the end of the trailer, which made my little heart glow. I love Jabatha. <laughs> and I'm not sure if she knows what's going on. I know there was like a little tease about how because she's the angel of Riverdale, she has some awareness of what's going on. But I don't know if the look she gave him when he said awesome is because she's like, you need to do better with the slang because you're not from Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. I just assumed that she was like 1950s and she was like what does what is awesome but i was also like it was awesome not a thing in the 50s i don't i don't think so not in that way i think it it would have been like the traditional something is awing to you rather than being yeah that's true yeah Um, but she does give him this weird look and then he says swell she's like yeah 
<laughs> they're kind of a nice dynamic duo because they, they teamed up a lot and Tabitha did quite a bit of time traveling last season so if, if she's aware of it as well that'd be pretty cool to see how the two of them kind of navigate these new waters and on the Tabitha note I'm really excited to see how she plays into the like high school setting because she wasn't in season one so this is a chance for the show to kind of go back and do some of the same kinds of stories again but uh, with new dynamics like with Tabitha so I'm really looking forward to that did we see Reggie in the trailer? You know what? I don't know. I just thought of that right in this yeah, moment. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's. I know he's supposed to be there. Well, anyway, to circle back to the ships, I'm going to get a little controversial. I couldn't be less concerned with the ships, and I feel like that's a that was a huge concern when the trailer dropped. I saw so many fans, which it, it makes me happy to see passion and fandom to be like Bughead, Varchi, Tony, whoever else, like they want what they want and I appreciate it but I'm like, I don't know, I'm willing to take the trailer for what it is. It was a two minute look at maybe mm-hmm. two episodes. I'm willing to to take the ride and to see what happens mm-hmm. and not scream about it the whole way. Which if you would like to scream about it I'm happy for you. Go do that. Fight for your rights. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we we all have our vices and we all have our ships. Heck, it's in our own introduction. We we like our ships, Barchi and sure. Bughead and whatever. But as a fan of whatever, I'm not going to get into it now versus ship wars. But as a fan of whatever ship, I'm just like really excited to see what kind of like directions the show goes in. And you can't, you no one knows what Endgame is going to be from a trailer for probably the first four or five episodes. Like this is Riverdale; it could end up in any different place by the end of the season, storyline wise or ship wise. So I'm just going to enjoy the ride because at the end of the day, you cannot predict the show. It makes its living of being unpredict, un completely unpredictable. So like. Half of, half of the time of your life while you're watching it and don't like get caught up in anything that we don't know yet. And I like yeah. that it shakes up the dynamics, not just of the characters, but like we haven't really seen KJ and Madeline act in mm-hmm. that way in a while. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen Lily and Casey act together in that way. We haven't seen uh, Camila and Cole act together like that. So I like that they're like zhuzhing the pairs around to kind of like, this is the last season, like mix mm-hmm. it up so that we're not always getting like, KJ and Lily or KJ and Camila or Madeline and um, Vanessa. Yeah. Like, I like the zhuzh it around. It's their last season. I like to, you know, mix up the dynamics before you, you got to go out with a bang, not mm-hmm. with like, just continue doing what you've been doing. Yeah, so, and it's important to remember it's the 50s part. We haven't gotten yeah. back to the present part. Though they did see some things. Tony has content. I um, I mean, I understand being, have content. being passionate, but like Cheryl's literally sitting there having a whole awakening. In the same scene with Tony. So, like, I just don't... I, I get the passion, but it's coming. I think the only ship that actually hasn't shown was Buckhead. Um, and there may be a reason for that. I mean, if we're doing Easter eggs and parallels, I expect uh, Jughead's probably going to crawl through Betty's window at some point mm. for that season one moment. Whether there's a kiss involved in it or not, I just don't see... It's one of the most iconic moments in Riverdale, so I don't see how they wouldn't do... Uh, um, a call back to that moment. But at the same time, like you both mentioned, be along for the ride. Like it's yeah. going to be a fun ride. Uh, really, while we're in the 50s, I'm kind of like, do we have to go back to the present day? Because <laughs> the, the, the 50s sounds awesome. Like how they're doing the show, not the 50s in reality. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. But... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Retweet. Um, I feel like we should stick around and get comfy in the 50s for a while. That seems like the story is like, 
how do we get back? And I don't really, I feel like the show personally, I feel like the series finale should be them in their own timeline, in their own mm-hmm. universe, like what they've learned from all of this. I think that would be fitting. I don't think it should end in the fifties, but mm-hmm. I think it would be nice to spend some time there. Cause this has always kind of been the motif. It's been very, um, making references to the comics in that era. So I think it's fitting to to stick around for a while, but yeah, I personally would think it should end in the 2020s. Mm. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I feel like this show kind of needed a reset uh, from five through seasons, five through six. And I think we finally got it now. This is a very exciting way of pressing the refresh button and starting again. And like Reed mentioned, completely new dynamics. It completely changes the game. And I think this season's going to be nearly twice the length of any of no, any of the normal, like 10 to 13 episode seasons of other shows. So they have time to play with. So I would like at least half of that season to be spent with the reset, the refresh, trying something new and seeing how it goes. And then you can spend the next 10 episodes, if, if it is 20, trying to get back to the future and like tying the show up i think they they have a lot of time to play with here and i think the fact that they press the reset button is very exciting so yeah i'm hoping that we get a bit of the best of both worlds if that makes sense yeah well i want the majority of the season to be in the 50s Mm -hmm. i just feel like sometimes well at least i want to live in the bubble of the 50s for a while um not to end the show in there but only because every time we have to then speed up the plot to get to the way that we get out of whatever was created in the first part of the series, the show struggles. Mm-hmm. So I just want to like live in like what's probably going to be a really perfect moment for them and then struggle somewhere closer <laughs> towards the end of the series. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, if season six could have been a vehicle just to get to this storyline. And if that's the case, this might be a perfect season of Riverdale. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to wait and see. We did see the clip of um, Cheryl from season six. Mm-hmm. We did. Scarlet Cheryl. I'd love to see her again, too. Not, I don't want to see all the powers back, but I'd love to see her again no. the powers back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moral of the story, we're excited. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, are we carrying that energy into like, the Winchester's finale, though? Or are we like like shaving some of that energy off? Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> I, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Um. I liked it as an episode, I believe, with that. Um, I think our expectations were maybe high after last last week's awesome penultimate episode. But I think this, we'll get into how it kind of served as a series finale shortly, but this, the start of it was a little bit slow moving, which is kind of what the Winchesters has been doing. Um, but I think around the halfway mark, it kind of clicked into gear. It was more of a supernatural episode than a Winchester's episode. Yeah. And I think maybe that's when it really found its footing and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because I would like the Winchesters to have its own footing removed from Supernatural but yeah I'll leave that thought with you and see what you make of it that's a great point because while it worked for me even as a as someone who didn't watch the entirety of Supernatural like it worked but it did I can see how it could be maybe a little bit jarring because it was like a lot of Supernatural all at once whereas like in the pilot, we get a little bit of the seeds of Supernatural. And then throughout the season, we've had like the Dean pictures. And it's very much in the world of Supernatural. But suddenly we were like heavily steeped in the mythology of Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And not that it came out of nowhere, but it was just like a lot, which I'm sure for Supernatural super fans, they were like living, thriving, screaming, crying. I've seen the videos on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but like it was kind of a lot and I didn't know if it was I know I feel like it was all leading to this but I was like I don't know that I think that was my overall feeling was just like huh I don't know yeah I feel like it opened strong like I like the the call the flashback to mm. when John received the letter and he received it from from Dean um and then Dean just disappeared on him especially because we get that moment where John feels like after he buried his friend he doesn't know where he belongs anymore yeah and so receiving that letter from um his father just really pushed him to go back home and I like that that was the catalyst we already knew that but to see it happen I really enjoyed and then we got into I feel like I struggled with the middle of the episode uh more so because the stakes weren't there like once again it's like I know the creators are taking over the world and I get about their queen which the plot twist uh there which was interesting uh and I feel like I felt for Lata I wish I had felt more for Ada. I felt like that was resolved a little faster than I would have preferred. Uh, mm -hmm. But after all that, it wasn't until we get towards the, the big battle at the end that I felt like we were really, truly mm -hmm. leaning into the weight of what was going to be happening if they couldn't defeat the Akrita. But I think it's also because this was largely contained between this group and no one else in the world knows this is happening. And I mean, that's the point, right? Like they're, the hunters do what they do and the rest of humanity gets to go on um, unawares that people are sacrificing their lives in this manner. And they allowed to live without, they're allowed to live without seeing the veil and that's mm -hmm. fine. But I just felt like I wanted to, I wanted to be in fear more. And I just felt like there was no, there wasn't a lot of fear or um, anything thrilling enough to make me question whether someone was going to survive, even if I know they're a main character, of course, they're going to survive. Yeah, and that's a great point because I feel like this, this is the same issue we're going to have with the, with the Flash later on, is that it very much felt like, oh, the world is ending, so let's just stand around and talk about it. It just kind of <laughs> it kind of felt like they could have been doing more in the moment, and I think we've mentioned that with the Winchesters before, and they kind of got over that, but then I like that's the second quarter of the episode, there was an awful lot of conversation and not an awful lot of doing, and it was only when they figured out that wait, Lata is in the clubhouse, wait, we need to get in there, that's when things started picking up the pace a little bit and then we went right into the final battle I don't think it was until like that moment between John and Mary where they had that kind of like emotional goodbye that you really felt the stakes starting to set in and that could have been the performances because I was like oh this really feels like the end now and it didn't feel like that beforehand so yeah I feel like there was a lot of good in there but I just you know, needed to press the fast forward button a little bit more just to get to the point a little bit quicker Am I wrong in thinking, or maybe I'm misremembering, that the Akrita were like mostly unseen throughout the season? Is mm -hmm. that why the stakes felt low? Because I feel like I kept hearing Akrita, and I'm like, was it the spiders? Is it the the queen? Like, I there was a disconnect for me personally, and that could just be a me problem, right? Like I've said from the beginning of the show, so don't come for me. I was like, I'm never going to understand the mythology of the show. <laughs> and that's true. 13 odd weeks later, I don't really understand the mythology and that's fine. I don't need to. Um, but maybe that's part of the layer of why the, the villain arc of the season didn't completely work for me. Cause I'm like, I don't, I haven't seen them in weeks. I don't know what I'm, what am I in fear of? Like Sabrina mm -hmm. said. Yeah. 
And I feel like we've used this example of Stranger Things before of how like like four seasons into that, you have the threat of the upside down and everything. And then you look back and look how that show made a single Demogorgon in its first season, such a threat. Whereas uh, the Winchesters is working with an army of spider creatures here that maybe pop up once every six episodes. And we should have, if they were opting for the unseen approach, we should have felt the terror of its of it being unseen. But we didn't kind of, it was just like right now we've made the finale, now we finally have to deal with this. Oh, it's dealt with and that's that done. I just kind of would have wanted a little bit more terror, a little bit more stakes and a little bit more like, hold on a minute, the world is actually ending. And I don't really feel like we got that until the very last moment. Well, they just kept yeah. telling us yeah. about that. They did. And it's, they, they, the Aquita did take people with influence in the town, but it never felt like even then this, the stakes there just didn't really feel like they should be that worried or concerned. Like, yeah, you took a detective. What if you took the entire department? Mm-hmm. Like, and then the, the the police department were harassing some of the hunters. Like, what if we like the the um she well she didn't end up being the Akrita queen, but uh, Bridget Beacon's character, where she what did it matter that she was a DJ? I thought that it her talking on the airwaves was going to influence people with the sound of her voice that they were going to fall under mm. the Akrita spell, and that's not what happened. Her being a DJ didn't really matter. She could have like been an accountant in the same thing still would have went the same way. She just ended up being like super cool, right? So I just feel like I wanted more plot over aesthetic and I feel like we were getting a lot of aesthetic and dressing of villainy but not enough strong villainy uh which is disappointing because I, we started really strong with the villains I mean it, that I'll never forget that creepy scene of her in the hood and then the bugs following after her in the woods like that's terrifying I don't want to see them in daylight or in the dark like it's just I remember how excited we were about that yeah mm-hmm. her and her like nimble little fingers i was like um yeah and then to bring in then we did meet who we think is the queen this hunter joan hopkins who was a human who was transported to their world and then they needed a leader and she led them back and i will say that's a really interesting story but the fact that it only came up in the finale Mm -hmm. very much reeked off wait a minute who are you and why are you here it just I, I don't feel I feel like that could have carried the sticks if she turned into the big bad, but just calling her the queen for centuries, then looking at what looked like a spider creature, but we didn't actually say it. And then just to have find out that it was a, a scorned hunter um, leading these supernatural demons. The story is there. I just feel it didn't particularly write itself in the finale, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and she like she invited Mary to join her, and I felt like that was going to be a bigger thing. Did it? Did I miss something? It didn't end up being a thing. Like she didn't even consider it. it did she? Mm-mm. I was like, no. oh, I was like, oh, here we go. And I was like, oh, no, okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it did. I feel like this. So, like on paper, the twist about the queen is really exciting. Like you have a human who's decided because of her own grief and trauma uh, that humanity shouldn't even just be wiped up on wiped out on her earth it should be wiped out across every earth like that is the multiverse thing you guys know i was like fighting for my life trying to understand (laughs) it (laughs) but and she well okay to to your point on that i was also trying to understand how dean was able to travel the multiverse via car that like you mentioned (laughs) that and i was like wait this, I guess baby, like a, a, baby is so powerful. She can drive through space and time. I have no idea. That whole scene, I was like the the meme with the with the math 
equations around my head. I was like, <laughs> I'm listening, Jensen. <laughs> help me, help me thread the needle. <laughs> Yeah, the, the lore there is a bit confusing. So does that mean that literally anybody, like Dean, uh, John, Mary, grandparents, whatever, the most harmless of entity from another Earth could destroy the Akrita just because it's from another Earth? Is that what we're going here? Because the Akrita can only be destroyed by something not Michael, off this Earth? Michael, I'm not Earth? even going to pretend to understand what you just asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know I know the, the woman who was Queen Joan, she could be like killed with silver, but I didn't necessarily know if that meant the Akrita could too. I feel like I lost the thread as we went, as they told us more and more about the Akrita. I felt like I was losing information that they had told us about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that was the case. Like, could you kill her with a, uh, um, an antique butter knife or something? Is that what you're trying yeah. to tell me? Just like a, just a nice know. little stab. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, that was all confusing, but you, you guys know me. Like, I was so ready in Nancy to assume that the kiss between Bess and Odette was gonna like make Odette flutter out into the air and we'd be done with her. So when when Mary rammed Joan into the wormhole, I was like, <laughs> sweet, perfect. I'll take it. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't ask questions. <laughs> and yeah, it worked. It did exactly what it said on the 10, and it was like hilarious. We knew it was coming. Like they had that like Mary driving for a good five minutes there. They really built up to it and it played out exactly as we thought. Like, I really couldn't have asked for anything more than that. I'm just a little confused on the lore. Like, does that mean, like, a helpless, nice old lady from another Earth could kill the Akrita just because she's from another Earth? That seems to be what they were going for there, that anything not of this Earth can kill the Akrita. And you're like, but the Akrita aren't from this Earth either. Very confusing. But, I mean, she got rammed by a car. She went into a wormhole. She never came back out of the wormhole. Rest in peace. Let's move on. (laughs) <laughs> the job was done <laughs> did you guys hear that meg got her driver's license just yes. for this episode? Yes. no i didn't hear that <laughs> yeah and she was like so nervous to drive with the um with her other cast members in the car and she like but she said she had she had fun it was cute I'm doing it. This is the scene we've been waiting for. It shall be me in the car, not the stunt double. Yeah, it was so cute. I read a QA with her and she was like, We were going like 40 miles per hour. And I was like, Oh, it's not that fast. But I can see like (laughs) when you're like just learning how to drive, that is like terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) And she really went for it in the scene. She killed it. it. She was amazing. I still, to go back to things that we just didn't understand, so she pops in to the wormhole and then her and Dean pop out. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Well, where were you? Because that just makes me feel like we just landed on a piece of rock in the wormhole and he was just waiting for the car to come back. And yeah. he just got in it and put her in it too and we just popped back out. I was like, this this doesn't make sense. I Neither does, I guess, the Akrita were made by God as a failsafe. Yeah. He said that like in a throwaway sentence and I was like, go back. What do you mean? My, my, my supernatural knowledge woke up in that moment when Dean said Chuck. I was like, I know who Chuck is. And then they were like, Chuck's God. And I was like, okay, now I get it. And so I remember that was a storyline in Supernatural that like God like abandoned the earth at five seasons in or something like that. I really do need to brush up. But I mean, that, that, <laughs> that's that, funny to think about. Like he was like, peace now <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it, it uh yeah it linked back nicely I, that was a memory i would probably have never thought about again ever in my life and then unlocked it so i was like yes i can see the thread here there were some lovely supernatural easter eggs and another one was when uh bobby showed up in the first scene beside dean when they were watching uh john 
that got me a little in the heart because I really enjoyed Bobby's character on Supernatural and him and Dean had a lovely bond. So that was nice. Didn't understand who the other man was. I know the actor, but that meant, <laughs> that meant nothing to me. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I will say as a Supernatural fan, I really appreciated the, the Bobby reference. Obviously, seeing Dean again was wonderful. Seeing Baby again was wonderful. Some of the plot was like, you do yeah but generally i really just as a supernatural fan enjoyed what this kind of did as a dare i say a series finale to the supernatural universe and dare i say some supernatural fans might prefer it as a series finale than the actual supernatural mm. series finale well look it the way they wrapped it up it seemed like they did some um remaneuvering that's not even a word but like it seems like because mary was like oh i'm leaving and then like four seconds later she was like jk i want you to come with me mm -hmm. that kind of felt like they moved things around because i could have seen like if this had been one a longer season and two they could trust that they were gonna come back for season two mary probably could have just left and that could have been like a cliffhanger now I'm not saying that was the plan. Well, that's just my fan brain seeing the mechanics of a script and you know watching too much TV, where I could kind of see like, oh, maybe they kind of like move things around. Um, but as it stood, it felt like a successful limited series. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't want that to be like. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in like a oh they did what they came to do, and they could come back for more, or we could have this standalone piece of a prequel. And it it works, so I think it was they successful in that they did what they set out to do. I think so too. I um, the way that it does wrap, it does feel like, and that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the case, but it does feel like they were told, "Hey, look, you know things are happening at the CW. If you want to make sure that your season wraps like a series, do that, and then like you can just unravel if you get a season two. Because it does seem strange. Like you said, she was like, JK, I'm coming back. And then he's, <laughs> and she goes, then, you know, we can explore in um, during the day and you can hunt at night. It's like, he's going to hunt by himself at night. I thought yeah. we already said that was a bad idea, but like, you know, let's get in the car <laughs> and, 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 and drive away. And that they're using Dean's journal. And there's a lot of emotional weight that they didn't understand from him. Um, when it came to passing that knowledge on to his parents and the the hint hint wink wink this is the universe where everything will work out mm -hmm. or at least he hopes so so i feel like if this is the universe where, where dean feels like his family has a chance then if they ended it here this works because we literally drove out into the daylight like it's mm -hmm. bright they're happy we're playing music and we're being cute together and everybody is fine even ada got her soul back i didn't understand what lata put in, i mean i guess that was her soul in the plant did not understand that but i'm glad that she has the piece of her soul yeah it definitely feels like they tied every loose end up so that this could function as a as a finale needed by but that little thread that john's carrying on hunting during the night is there should they need to go back to it if it does get picked up because you could literally like rehash the same start of the story for season two that mary goes contacts carlos atlanta because john's gone missing during one of his hunts on the night bang there's your season two concept right there but the thing is uh it definitely it feels like a series finale and that you get a happy ending and again to go back to the supernatural end of it i did appreciate that it feels like that we started the show just thinking it was any old prequel and is it why did we need to know the story when we already technically know the story and now we've ended it knowing that it's not a prequel it's actually a parallel earth and the story is not set it could play out differently and now that we've learned that information this does feel like dean's final little thing to give because if he had any unfinished business because dean always had issues with what happened to his family and his parents and he loved them dearly and the life they had now he got the chance to maybe 
alter it slightly so that it's changed. And I feel like if you're ever going to get some kind of a happy ending and it's like interdimensional undead universe, that's it. And it really worked out nicely. So if that is the end of the supernatural story, I think it was actually quite genius. I know some of the day-to-day stuff in the Winchester didn't exactly work out, but generally it's a really enjoyable addition to the supernatural universe that adds a neat little bow on the end of it, one that we didn't know it needed. So if this is the end, it was actually a pretty lovely end. And as a Supernatural fan, I really appreciated it. It was a nice little nod to the universe, to the fans, to the story, to the prequel and to the future. And if that's the end of it, then that's the end of it. But the montage at the end with John and Mary writing off was lovely. It was a mm-hmm. nice little tribute to like, we had this moment, we lived in this moment and now we're moving into the future. And I hope that future involves more Winchesters. But if it doesn't, I'm glad these characters we love so much got happy endings. Mm-hmm. It feels very solid. Mm-hmm. Very solid, which is different from um not to say that Wendy wasn't solid, but they they did the other side of the coin just to move to back to to Independence, Texas. They gave us a ser- a season finale. Like it, it doesn't really feel I mean it could operate like a series finale if you wanted it, it to. But, but that ending um definitely seeds for a season two. But just to soothe people who may have to watch the episode because they want to know something beforehand, Gus is alive. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank, Thank goodness. the Lord. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to see him go. Uh Shane though. No. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> that was fine. I mean, like, even when as a Tom, you're committing fratricide, but I don't care about Shane. So he can just be out here in the field left by himself. I think he does leave his brother there, doesn't he? We don't drag anybody. He's just gonna rot in, in the sun. Yeah, he's yeah. 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 That was that was his final resting place. Well, it's the one he deserves. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was an excellent start because, like, it really set us up for like, where can you go when you already have one of the major players killed off instantly? And that finale just went from strength to strength to strength in those first twenty minutes. Not that it didn't. Afterwards, we got the typical season finale, quiet after the storm section later on. But those first twenty minutes were so intense, weren't they? This yes. episode felt like it felt like I said this to you guys after we watched it. It felt like four different episodes mm-hmm. but it was like so tight it felt like a two-hour movie but it didn't feel long it, like it just had so much to it <laughs> without feeling like too much like i was like how did they do that? how did they manage this because we had moments of intense like <laughs> action like the standoff with abby and um tom and all her friends like that was like that felt like a movie in itself and i was like oh my god there's still more and like I wanted more from it. I wasn't ready for it to end, but it was just like there's so much, so much content that my gosh, this show went out with a bang. Yeah, the stakes were really there. I mean, mm-hmm. for, from scene to scene to scene, like um, and different variations of what it means to have stakes, right? So we like we go from Abby like hurriedly trying to bring to bring um Gus out of the the barn so that she can get to town, mm-hmm. and then they're like doing impromptu medical procedures on him, not <laughs> right. really knowing what they're Which doing. Which I was kind of confused, like how she found him, because wasn't there a line of dialogue? Maybe I made this up where they were like, "They're never going to find him," and then like Abby trots in on the horse, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I don't mind. Like, I want Gus to be saved." <laughs> but I was like, "That was quick." <laughs> I think the barn is close to Tom's cabin, so she saw the fire. As yes, and he invited that. her out there, didn't he? Yes, that's yeah. right. So, okay. like, and so that's how we get Gus and Abby to town, and then everybody like there are too many 
medics in the kitchen <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that. Hoyt like okay? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. I was like, but like Kai was digging out the bullet. Like Kalyan was like, I thought I have to burn you. I'm so sorry, but we have to we have to close this wound. Oh, God, um, so much. And then you get like a little bit of a breather with Tom in the back looking real guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, and until they put the pieces together, and then it is is it is Kate confronting Tom in the office, and that like talk about the standoff before the standoff. Mm-hmm. It was so good, and she read him so well. It was the way he was like, "I'm making the town progressive and safe for people like you," and she was like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so wild because like we. We hear what Tom thinks is the truth, or what at least what is his truth. Like his perspective mm-hmm. is like, I'm not a bad guy. I did what I did to save Abby. I did what I'm the lesser of the evils. And I'm like, but sir, you're still evil mm-hmm. at some point. But like he does like beneath all of that, he's like at least somewhat of a he ha- he was well intentioned at some point. He's just like the choices he's made. It's like it's hard to reconcile with that. Like they make this character like all season. I've been like, don't make me like him. And I kind of liked him. And then at the end, you're like, oh, I don't want to like you. But there's there's still something there. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to believe he's full bad. But like now I feel like we know so much. We know the truth. We know what happened. And it's uh, I guess it's up to us to decide like how we feel about him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about him? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you on that because I remember I was a bit annoyed when we brought Shane into the equation as that like red herring because it was like Wendy's kind of stayed away from like those conventions of the murder mystery or whatever it's like why are we doing this now but then it turned out that Shane actually had a purpose Shane was the worst of the two evils and he had he him and his family played a large role in influencing who Tom was and then you saw in the flashback episode and now in the final revelation in this episode that Tom did have a part to play in Liam's death and that he did a pity Kelleen because Liam was already gone at that stage and terrible thing but you can see that in his mind he thought he was doing the right thing because it would keep Abby safe ultimately you can follow the train of thought in his head even if it's not good if you know what I mean yeah he's like Mm -hmm. I killed your husband to stop his suffering like she's gonna be like (laughs) oh you still killed him I don't know (laughs) I so I straight up I'm a Tom apologist like I, <laughs> I love it i love it <laughs> like i'm like he's he's so monstrous right like i um but the thing about it is he's the type of monster if he was on your side you'd let him get away with a lot mm-hmm. like it's that the fact true. that he's being he's being manipulated and is a part of the davidsons that makes him so dangerous but if he was team independence his monstrousness could go real far because mm-hmm. we've already seen how he's can be a strong ally with Kai earlier in the mm-hmm. season. He was like riding with Kai mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I don't, I can't remember the specific situation, but you, every, if you've watched the show, you know what I'm talking about. So like I, I, to your point, I can see how that like, yeah, if he was on their side, he would be the greatest ally. But at, at this point, I don't know if they would be like, yeah, join our team. Cause like, oh, no. yeah, it's like <laughs> intense. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here with Tom, but I'm excited And I want to see it because I feel like I brought up Dan Scott before and there are so many parallels that I, I want to spoil, but he's like not full Dan Scott because Dan Scott, in my opinion, is irredeemable. Don't want to get the man off my television. I never wanted to see Mm -hmm. him, but like Tom has some, 
there's like moral gray areas that are more fun to see play out on screen. He's not just like bad to the bone, like, and they tried to redeem Dan Scott and Wintry Hill. I didn't say Wintry Hill. I'm sorry to anybody. It was like, who the hell is Dan Scott? <laughs> <laughs> they tried to get there. And for me, it for me personally, I have to keep saying that. Maybe it worked for you. For me, I was like, I I know too much. I saw what I needed to see in season three mm-hmm. and the ship sailed from there. Um, but yeah, to land this weird thought rant plane, it's more fun to watch Tom because like, we we see what he thought was doing the right thing, whereas when Abby hears what she, what she hears is like, no, you, you killed my husband. Like that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that's it. She's in such a weird place though because the the energy that Abby was giving, I was like, girl, if you had oh known that he didn't, <laughs> if you if he told you he didn't kill your husband, you would have adopted this man into this found family. Like that just <laughs> clearly because she she spent one evening with him and was like, you know what. Let's have fun together. <laughs> she was like, maybe he didn't come. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> she was like very into him. So but it's just still like- so complicated knowing now that he actually did pull the, the trigger and made the shot that killed her husband. And she had that intimate moment with him. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. What do She's- I think? What do I think? And I don't know. I have no conclusions to make. And I she know you're, so you're, you love the garbage ship. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like looking at it. Like, do I... Do I want to join? I'm like, I don't know. I was there before and now I have some questions. It's <laughs> I real, need to see more content. <laughs> it's real dark. I think that like that's, I mean, I've been calling it a dark romance, but it truly is like you'd have to in order to, well, the way that I accept it is inevitably she's going to kill this man. Like, I don't think that there is Ooh. a, I don't think there's an end game here where those two like get to be together. Um, and for anyone who does, y'all, I do not agree. And the reason I do not agree is because <laughs> the this is not that type of show. This isn't a show about two monsters. This is about a show a show about a, a heroine and the man who killed her husband. Like so, like she's not gonna. And not to mention, westerns don't do that, right? Like westerns are you, you very clear delineations of who's bad and who's good. And this one is is giving you shades of gray. But at the end of the day, as we saw when she pulled up that rifle. She has a very strong sense of justice. And at some point, this man is going to answer for what he did. She thought the courts were going to handle it. And then his daddy snatched him out of that carriage. And he's he's back to being evil. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're right. I forgot an important detail about our mother, Abby. She She's very black and white. And she tried mm-hmm. to live in that gray area. And she was like, no, 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 no. That's not for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You forgot who she was for a minute. She's black and white. <laughs> yeah. But there was that like insane moment where like Abby was like, waving Tom off before he got on the cart to be like taken out of town and like they were face to face and there was like that like toxic chemistry between the two of them mm-hmm. like I, I don't know how to describe it words would not do it justice but they were like this isn't the end of this story so you knew that no matter what happened to Tommy he, he weren't getting killed off whatever you could sense there's more there and yeah I do agree he's very much the antagonist of the story and to use an obvious example she's very much the Sarah Connor of the story she is going to do the right thing and protect those around her at all costs and my goodness that scene with the gun when she was not stopping what an icon in that moment I love oh that God, scene Kat, like ah oh, oh cinematic <laughs> I, I loved know. every moment of it but like 
as far as the story element of it goes, she was more than willing to put this man down when she could not get him. And then she did get him and she was more than willing to let him rot then. So I think this is going to completely change the dynamic. At least I hope it does in a, in a season two in that she is going to maybe be determined to take him down or will he dare to return with the tongue or whatever storyline has yet been, wasn't really unturned in the finale. So I think there's a lot to work with here and that's very exciting. But as far as the first chapter of Wendy goes, I think that was an exceptional conclusion because Tom was very much the antagonist and we've dealt with that everybody knows everybody's secrets now so for whatever a season two could look like it would be super different and I hope we get to see it because what an ending yeah that cliffhanger too suggests that we're going to get another layer of um I don't want to say redemption but we're just going to get another layer of why Tom is the way Mm -hmm. he is because I highly doubt that his father is like this angel that was like (laughs) the greatest father he seems Tom like looked at him like slight feared concern he wasn't like it wasn't like oh my god dad (laughs) (laughs) he was like oh so i think we're gonna get another layer of why tom is the way he is and it'll help us shade in more of that i don't think it'll completely redeem him but i think it'll help like you know shave down those those edges a little bit and i I, maybe tom will break totally bad if he's like you know what y'all don't want me here i'm here anyway or he'll try to like we've seen those stories before where like the bad characters like does a good thing to prove themselves and they all kind of like okay white flag i don't like you but thank you like i can see those stories happening too um but i'm excited to see where it goes oh i know it's just Mm. i mean the way that this ends you're like what where's the renewal (laughs) i don't want to i know that we're safe i mean I, i mainly mean that because so many questions like so the man who had a tattoo on his hand is that his dad's man after all and if so what does it mean that tom killed one of his father's men like there's it's not like yes his father got him from the carriage the whole reason why he's there but it's like sir did you get dragged before your father are we about to answer for some crimes against the family and then he's gonna turn you behind back over to where he needs you to be it just doesn't seem like that man like you said is going to be jovial like we mm-hmm. rolled up all we saw was the shadow and he handed him a, a knife, didn't he? Yeah. Like a pocket yeah. Knife. At first I was like, why is he handing him a flash drive? And I was like, wait, <laughs> this is the Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, we don't get to see him. I mean, I love that we don't actually get to see his dad. I really want to um, tip up the hat. I love real. when they do that because like, I was like, yeah, don't lock yourself into casting decisions. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Michael, do you remember when they did that with Kirby in the season one yes. finale of Dynasty, and she, her voice was not Madison's. Yes. <laughs> I watched those two episodes back to back. I was like, wait, what? Um, but real quick before we move into Flash and uh, Nancy, because we do need to, you know, get to those two. Mm-hmm. Abby and Hoyt. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. We, we're going to circle back to that, I think. But like, we are very much friends right now. But yeah. He stole from like... him, which is funny. Yeah, she was like, student becomes the teacher, kind of. It was kind of like there were to be a little bit of nice parallels where like they were able to recognize after everything that they've been through. Like she was like, yeah, he he's been there for me. Mm -hmm. He's been a good friend. And I wasn't getting overwhelming like fireworks or even like a elbow like, hey, everybody, these are the endgame pair. But I think it was really important to have that moment with them Mm because it's kind of where it's not where it started because didn't Callie and find her I don't know where I'm going with this but I think 
I like that scene. Yeah. Even if it like didn't amount to much, I, it was nice, a nice grounding scene between the two. Cause I do kind of like, they were one of my personal ships early on kind of like, you know, went lower down the totem pole as the more things started happening. But I don't know. I like that scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I agree. And I think it was very important to have one between the two of them at the end, because, you know, you're right, that is kind of where the story started. He was the first person she met in Independence um, and when they had that, like, awkward run-in and he bumped into her and then he, like, soaked her with his hair and uh, she was, like, too early in the day for dead drinking. She did not like this man and it was very important that in the finale they had this moment of, like, almost full circle because it's where it all started. And also, what they taught each other. Kind yeah, of. exactly, exactly. It was an important dynamic and he learned a lot from her about like her cleverness and like setting up uh, and looking after people and setting up all these papers. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, but she learned a lot from him, as you saw. A student becomes a teacher. So I do think that was very important. And can I just say that scene was probably my favorite one from the episode, apart from Abby Sarah Connor moment. But like just the like, it was beautifully shot. It was beautifully lit. I love Independence at nighttime. And I, I remember saying that early on. We didn't get much of that. But what an incredible scene and I I really I just want to, I just I love this place so much Independence is a terrible place but I love it so much and I hope we get to see more of it in season 10 I, I thought we were ending so. with that scene I was like oh they went series finale oh no oh no oh yeah. no and then we got the other ending which I like yeah I'm, I'm glad that they decided to get to put the other ending in mm-hmm. because as much as I did love the Hoyt and Abby scene and then the scene with the found family where Kate is singing um, and she talks about how much they mean to her and the different dynamics they all have. Plus, um, Callie and, and Gus had a scene about Gus now being sheriff. It was all, it was like, oh, we are wrapping up tight. It's the end. And um, so it's good to see that, oh, no, a big the big bads are, are not done. We're coming back. Um, and potentially Hoyt's charge is a Davidson potentially Tom's son. Mm, I wondered about that mm. because he those characteristics he did describe were did they did they, they did match Tom so mm. I wonder that would be amazing but oh there's so much story left to tell. Yeah they I really know. want us to like Tom. Yeah they, do, they really do. <laughs> but only so they can hurt us. It is like they want they set us up and like and so that we can like feel betrayed just like Abby every time she gives them a chance there we are again. But I do want a season two, if nothing else, to see Hoyt as a surrogate father to this child, like yeah. Mandalorian or Joel. Like, we need Hoyt to be the Pedro Pascal. I was just going to say, of Independence. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have such a cute oh, dynamic. <laughs> that'd be so sweet. For the, so then we could, ooh, standoff, bio dad versus adoptive dad. Which oh, one is really going to influence you? Oh, yes. Steaks, delicious. <laughs> So we'll take this one back to you. Yes. We really, really need a season two of Walker Independence, which moving into The Flash, going from one exciting show to a struggle show. Um, we like to go up and down on the spiral. <laughs> you know, uh, this this episode, I feel like, Michael, I told you, like, it's half good. Like mm-hmm. there, there. Every time we had Red Death stuff, exciting. Every time we moved to the OCs, I was like, oh. Like, I just do not appreciate that bit of the storyline. It was a lot of, like, you know, we, we had critiqued the Winchesters for their stakes, but we're talking the entire time. That's what was happening with The Flash. There are, suppose the city is falling apart. There are sentinels everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, Kramer has been kidnapped. Mark's alive. And what are we doing? Talking at Star Labs for every scene. Yeah. It just wasn't it. 
Yeah, I remember the Marvel movie Eternals was described in this way, um, and it's that it's a good movie that could have been a great movie if you cut a lot of the in-between stuff out, and I think that's what this episode of The Flash felt like. If this had been 20 minutes long and focused on the good, best episode of the season, but the other 20 minutes were such a drag, they really dragged it down, and one of the show's long-running pains has been, oh no, Barry's lost its speed, and here we are in the final season yet again, oh no. Barry's lost his speed. What are we going to do? And you're like, Jay Garrick's out there. Wally West is out there. I'm sure there are other speedsters out there. Somebody could have done something instead of standing in Star Labs for 20 minutes talking about what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. It just completely ground the plot to a halt. And the, yeah, I'm not really, inv- I wasn't really invested in the whole chill blatant's dead because we knew he wasn't. So when they were like, when was it Cecile's like, He's alive. And Barry was like, hey, and like, you literally were talking about him 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. He's on. I know, I know he's unimportant, but like, that was a bit mean. Like, you should have known who she was talking about. But um, yeah, anyway, long story short, it was a trap. Barry got the rogues to help him reluctantly. They all went back to the Red Death lair. And of course, they all got like uh, sidetracked by the Red Death so she could have another monologue. Um, Javicia Leslie knocked it out of the park as this villain and then when she went like completely into those psycho regs also knocked it out of the park it was campy it was fun it was everything in between but just a lot of the story didn't come together for me um so she was trying long story short in order to get her sense of justice in Central City or the world apparently she was using Grodd's Gorilla Grodd, by the way, Reed is one of the Flash's arch enemies. He's a giant telepathic gorilla, and um, I love the amount of enormous gorillas there yeah. are in this universe. Yeah, DC TV <laughs> loves DC TV loves their giant gorillas with like who are really smart and can talk as well without actually using their lips, apparently. Um, but uh, so I didn't understand the lore here. So Grodd found his peers in Gorilla City who were all sentient gorillas, just like him. But Crisis on Inf- yeah, it, yeah, they, they did. You know, they did a whole Gorilla City episode in season three. It was amazing. Where's the uh, spinoff? <laughs> <laughs> but now this doesn't make sense to me. In season seven, was post Crisis on Infinite Earths. We met Grodd, but according to the Red Death, Gorilla City was wiped out of existence by Crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay. Don't remember that. So Barry promised Grodd he'd find his sentient gorillas in this new timeline, but. Two seasons have passed and Barry has done absolutely nothing to help Gorilla Grodd. So Gorilla Grodd decided to help the Red Death instead. So he used his psychic power so that she could channel her vision into all of Central City and the world. So all these sentinels started showing up dressed in the Red Death outfits and basically the whole world was in martial law, guarded by these Red Death sentinels. But of course, we just saw Central City. Um, didn't have the budget for the rest of the world, unfortunately. <laughs> um, uh, but... Uh, yeah, so all of this exciting stuff was happening in the city. The Flash has done this far too many times. All of this exciting stuff was happening in Central City, and we spent most of the episode in Star Labs without power, and maybe saw the occasional flash of red light through the window. And that just kind of brought it down for me. Um, yeah, the the episode really kicked into gear in the second half, but much like the Winchesters, it was an awful long time getting there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just, it's the frustrating thing about the Flash over the past few seasons, it's not just this season, is that there is an imbalance of when we should be talking to villains to try to redeem them and when we should just have action. Uh, for whatever reason, the show wants to be Power Rangers, but it wants to be Power Rangers with a lot of dialogue. Like, there's just <laughs> not, like, it just doesn't, it, I just don't understand 
like if we're leaning hard into the camp, if we're doing on the nose dialogue, if we're we're trying to create a story that has a, a moral, basically a moral agenda to it, it's not. God, I feel like I'm complaining about the show all the time, but it's not a well executed moral agenda, but it's there, mm-hmm. and it is about recognizing that circumstances can change uh, how someone perceives the world, and that can affect how they interact with that world. Hence, why the criminals are the way they are in class in um, Central City. That's not what was happening in the Flash prior to this. So it's really confusing that they keep trying to redeem all these villains when they don't want to be redeemed. And nor did all of them have tragic backstories. They were just common thieves. But the I feel like because we have to have every talking scene in all of the plots, whether it be the A, the B, or the C plot, it drags the show down entirely. And then when it kicks back up, there's just so much exposition. I lost thre- the thread to the grad conversation. Like I truly mm-hmm. did. Like uh, Red Death was like going on her monologue about it. And I was like, you're from a different timeline. Are we sure this is the timeline Barry didn't help? Barry seems confused about what you're talking about. But then now he feels guilty, which by the way, they need to stop making Barry guilty. Guilty over what? He's guilty <laughs> over everything now. <laughs> like, every then, time. Every time. And then they're like, we have to save Mark and I was like, does no one care about Kramer? I mean, I just started caring about Kramer when she started. Right. This is the first time I've heard about Kramer. No, did Kramer is you know why is her name escaping me? Nancy Drew. Why, why is her name the woman who the runs historical the historical society? society. Um, uh, oh, that's Kramer on Helen? the flash. Oh, Helen on on um, Nancy Drew. I don't know the actress's name, but I think her name is Helen on Nancy Drew. Yeah, so uh, her she's she's been Kramer. We've been ranting about Kramer occasionally because they sometimes have flashes of brilliance with Kramer and then forget she exists for the second half of the season. Um, I will say there were some nice little nods to previous storylines that I didn't expect. The fact that when uh, Red Death and the Rogues turned up at Central City's police department, Kramer remembered she's a metahuman and she could mimic all their powers. That was a lovely little moment. I really liked that. I really appreciated that. Also, the fact that we brought got gro- gro- Grodd was ma- was the one that was able to ignite the spark in Barry's speed because two seasons ago Barry sh- shared a spark of his speed with Grodd, so that was still within his body. The the, the storyline is not storylining, but it was a nice little nice little Easter egg nonetheless. Um, but to back, go back to your point about dialogue, the best scene in the whole episode did not have a single line of dialogue in it. And my goodness, I cannot explain the, what was goose, it? the goosebumps I got when Red Death was ready to destroy and a Batarang stopped her mm-hmm. speed and out of the shadows, out of the smoke, the real Batwoman showed up with the real Batwoman theme. I can at the, the thing that sold me on Ruby Rose's Batwoman when we first seen her in Elseworlds crossover was the music and to finally see Batwoman's final appearance in the hour with that beautiful score playing in the background. I know it's a different Batwoman, a superior Batwoman, Ooh. but to see that <laughs> and to hear that and to feel that for those 30 seconds. And when she broke through the smoke, it was act- it actually created the Batman silhouette in a nice little... Oh, like, wow, they creation. really did it. They did. It was a lovely moment and she landed and so she, the, the Batarang she sent into Red Death neutralized Red Death's speed so the two of them could actually have a physical a hand-to-hand fight, which was also a nice little nod absolutely fantastic and then you got that great line from ryan when the red death was like you can't beat yourself and um was it the real ryan said girl you couldn't beat me on a bad hair day that was so funny i really enjoyed that but then the real cringy dialogue came afterwards when batwoman said 
the rogues, aren't you supposed to be bad guys? And they're like, well, it's a Wednesday. Because the flash errs on Wednesday and crazy stuff only goes down yeah. in Central City on Wednesdays, apparently. I'm like, did we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, okay. <laughs> did you have to say that? And no. so the, the best scene of the episode had no dialogue, followed up by the worst dialogue and probably the whole season. And I'm like, oh, you nearly killed the moment. But seeing Javicia Leslie as Batwoman again, phenomenal goosebumps, I tell you. I want that show back so much. Um, and it was a beautiful farewell to her. And um, they didn't really explain where she's been for the last three weeks. I yeah. didn't really get that. Like, okay, you're there. Welcome back, Batwoman. Gotham's been falling apart for the last <laughs> three like, weeks. I had my do not disturb on. I was <laughs> on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they they realize you know what we ran out of time and we still have to do this ending part for Joe. So, <laughs> girl, you just okay. Wait, I I do see this on the outline, and I want you guys to explain to me how they said goodbye to Joe. Um. So my complaint. Well, <laughs> it like yeah. doesn't sound, it doesn't sound struggling good. for words. <laughs> no, my complaint is so, and this I expect that Jesse L. Martin will be in the series finale. I just don't see the flash going off without them returning Joe. But we do know he was expected to have a um allotment of five episodes. This is the fifth episode that he was in. And so what they did was they just they just finished the storyline about him saying that he if he feels like it's time for him to move on. And that was the whole point. Like he has a scene. Interestingly, he talks to Barry. He doesn't even talk to his own daughter, but he talks to Barry about mm. like the decision that he's decided to to make. Um, where he understands that Cecile is needed in Central City, but he believes it's time for him to go on because he's not a cop anymore. They're all very settled in their own lives, and then they're superheroing, and he just feels like he wants to take Jenna and he wants to go elsewhere. And they have a Barry and him have a um a lovely moment, but it just didn't really fit for me. Um, and so we skip ahead. She talks to he talks to Cecile. And this is the part that I really had a hard time with. I didn't really know what they were going with. He tells her that he's going to take Jenna and he's going to leave and that they're going to go live in the country and that she can visit on weekends to see their daughter. Uh, and oh. she's com- she's completely fine with this. This is the part where I was like, you're fine that you're only going to see your daughter five days out of like the week. For one and for two, crime doesn't stop on Saturday and Sundays. Is that like criminals take a break? <laughs> like, Crazy so, stuff like, only goes down in Central City on Wednesday, <laughs> Sabrina. <laughs> so I was like, but she's like, oh my God, Joe, I love you. I love this idea. We can have peace and quiet in the country. And I was like, he's taking your child because you have a very dangerous job and you're needed in the city. And your response is, I love you. This is great. I'll see you on Saturday. Like that's that, just, yeah. it just no. seemed odd. When the Flash was in its peak, it was still lighthearted. But when they did the crossover with Arrow, one thing I really appreciated was Oliver completely berated Barry for a sunny, happy, high idea because you live in Central City where there are metahumans and fun stuff going on. Whereas I'm from Star City where my mother was killed in front of me. A woman I loved was sent full of arrows. It really highlighted the reality of crime versus the Flash's perception of crime. This hair, this was a total step back because Cecile was like, I get to be a superhero from Friday through Monday or whatever, but all suddenly on the week or Monday through Friday, but suddenly on the weekends, I can go home and be with my family because crime isn't going to happen on the weekends. But wait, wait a minute, on the weekdays, I'm going to be working with my heroes, but then I go home to an empty house. And like real people do not act like that. This That was such a bad thing. And you know, the fact that he said we can have uninterrupted weekends was the selling point for her. But like Sabrina said, crime does not stop on Saturdays and Sundays. What if there's a weekend where she's suddenly summoned? Is Barry going to have to speed out to the countryside and take her back? 
Now that did not go down for me. I thought that was a complete setback. And the Flash is known for being lighthearted. This was cheesy and unneeded. And I feel mm-hmm. like if you really wanted to write Joe out, you could have just ignored him for every three episodes because that's what the last three or four seasons have been doing anyway. We could have used those five episodes spurringly instead of sticking them all together and then writing him out of the middle of the season. I know Jesse L. Martin shooting another show, but they could have come up with something better than this because... Mm-hmm. We joked about him potentially taking the child a few episodes ago on this podcast, didn't think they were going to follow through on it. And if they were going to follow through on it, it should have been like an argument between him and Cecile. And she was like, you're not taking my baby from me. But the, that's not the kind of stories that The Flash wants to tell. How old is Jenna? Five or four, four five, or five. Yeah. She could have had a dance competition in a different city. And he was like, you know what? I'll take the baby. You do your job. We'll meet back in like, yeah, exactly. in a couple of weeks when she won. Yeah. And then <laughs> like that's not a this. good idea, but I feel like it's a little bit more yeah, refined. It's more believable. Yeah. But the, again, we didn't want to have stakes about it. We really just wanted to get him off screen. So like when we have this, then we have this lovely party where it's like, goodbye, Joe. And I was like, He's leaving, leaving. Why are we like celebrating in this way? It's not a new job promotion in another city. The man has decided that like he doesn't want to be here anymore and he's going to protect felt his more daughter. Like, it just from the outside, it seems like they're celebrating the actor more than the character. Yeah. Like, there's mm-hmm. the disconnect there. Like you're having a party for somebody who's moving to the country. <laughs> from the outside perspective, it's a little strange. Yeah, and Captain Singh wasn't even there either. Now that I think about it, he would have yeah. been there. Um, or Kramer. And Kramer, but it's, it's the it's the family, and then so we and Jenna's not on screen. She's sleeping. They didn't even put her name <laughs> on the banner. Joe's not not the only one leaving. So is Jenna. Why isn't it goodbye, yeah. Joe and Jenna? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you uh, you were like the whole Flash family was there, <laughs> and Chelblin who literally betrayed them like two weeks beforehand. Completely unnecessary, completely unneeded, and shoehorned redemption that they didn't even bother telling because all of that happened off screen. I don't know. I feel like it was a nice little moment, like Reed said, to celebrate Jesse L. Martin. I feel like him and Danielle Nicolette have made the story work because the writing and the story itself is not there. Don't believe it. Don't buy it. And no daddy's going to show back up in the series finale saying, I'm, I was wrong to separate my daughter from her mother. This is where we need to be. And then it'll be all forgotten about. And you're just be like, what was the point in that storyline? I know, but I mean, there is some, I guess, some happiness to say that, like, Iris is pregnant. I wish that she had found that. Can can she not find anything out about herself by herself? Why does it always have to be somebody else? Because Keanu's like, oh, because you're pregnant? And I was like, dang it, once again. (laughs) (laughs) She she can't just receive information on her own, which now, Michael, I'm not even sure. Like, we were going weather witch for her. But now it might actually be empathic, but maybe it is both. And um, I, I really don't know. I think we, we've talked about the whole graphic novel approach of the season before, about how Eric Wallace likes to split the season into two graphic novels. But in between those graphic novels, there's two or three episodes, which most people call filler. He likes to call intervals. I think in the interval, we will find out what... Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in the middle of it we will find out what Keon's powers are I think that's what next week's episode is going to be about I'm mildly intrigued in that storyline because nothing is making sense right now I, me- I hope that's the point yeah um, 
I like Keown. I still don't think they know what they're doing with her. And I think that is still a waste of Danielle Panabaker in her final season when we could have just had Caitlin figure herself out one more time. Would have rather watched that, to be honest. But I feel like we're either going, I feel like she's either going to become a super combination of Frost and Caitlin and Keown by the end of the season, or we're going to end up splitting the three of them back into three separate peoples. I don't know. I don't know. But I just feel like they're <laughs> moving too slow with this Keon story. It was pretty nice that she was the one that figured out that Iris was pregnant just because it was another part of her abilities. But again, I agree with Sabrina for a storyline as important as that. It should have been Iris or Barry that figured it out because Iris has spent the whole season being told this is going to happen when, this is going to happen when. So in the final season to be told by somebody else that she's pregnant, again, takes another special moment with them. But again, the actor sold it. It was a nice little moment. And I mean, like, it took nine seasons, but we're finally here. So we'll see where uh, it goes. <laughs> uh, before we move to, to Horseshoe Bay, where we love to stay, like just a wonderful, spooky little town. Um, I did want to say about The Flash that like my bar is is really far down on the ground at this point. Like I I, I hate that like I'm, this is the final season and personally I'm having so many issues with it. And I think it's just because we're once again, we have too many characters going happening. Um, because even the rose didn't have much to do other than to complain. They complained the entire episode until finally they launched and like we brought them back in so that they could help Barry and they could be a little quippy. Who? And then the rogue, so it's like heart um it's oh, heartly okay. the most of them and the hotness, which by the way, when Barry got snippy at uh Jacko because he wanted to go to his son, I was like, Barry, he has a kid in the city and the city is yeah. like being lightning bolts are dropping. He should be with his child. <laughs> what do we yeah, exactly <laughs> what do we this do man do? cared about nothing but money a couple of weeks ago? So like I mean, we've learned something. So like he should that should not be held against him. It shouldn't be. But like I feel like it, we're just doing little things where like Barry doesn't feel um like he's good enough and he feels guilty. And I'm like, this is in the final season. Why aren't we why isn't Barry on his A game? Why isn't Barry like yeah, I'm a boss? Like and he's helping. <laughs> everybody i need the show to stop stressing you guys out (laughs) please please or at least like good stress nancy always gives good stress because the stakes are always great like though um it's funny that i love that we get a season that the season opener that feels like a season opener because the other seasons we've watched because of the um global issues Mm -hmm. the um the season opener felt a little differently like like a continuation this one very much very much felt like a season premiere we're happy we're cool lucky we got a nice soundtrack Penn and teller are randomly there um for a cameo confusion i didn't understand (laughs) what we were going for and it was never addressed again the man was lighting (laughs) a camera one man with like a hologram. Yeah, he was definitely he was editing was kennedy acting with them so no. many questions um but i see cw wanted some cross promo so can't hold that against them i guess even though it didn't completely work for me didn't need to it's like the least important part of the episode <laughs> <laughs> but no they were they are dead they're not acting in the same scene i love how you can tell because all they did was put they put the arm in for each shot so we just get someone in, a, in the same sleeve I was like, oh. she's not there. <laughs> <laughs> They're not there either. <laughs> but sure. I, I also thought that they were going to, I was like, is she being interviewed by the real Penn and Teller or are they supposed to be newscasters? No information. I, no information. <laughs> so I was actually happy when we walked away to this whole children of the corn issue with that, with that maze, which she seemed really comfortable putting those straw dolls everywhere. And I was like, girl, why don't we have a partner going into this maze? Because I feel uncomfortable just yeah. watching you walk it. Yeah, that was spooky. And you were 
there you were validated <laughs> <laughs> but i have to say even even with the like dull hue that nancy loves going for there was definitely something lighter about this season premiere yeah, they were know. like shining and some yeah. of the outdoor scenes which yeah. i loved that lighting yeah. was really really nice it was, Chris. it was, it was lovely. And it was nice to see just like a more lighthearted approach. And I said that like five eight minutes into this episode, we found out that someone had their heart frozen out of their chest. So we'll use light tentatively. But I mean, like it was just, it was a completely different vibe for Nancy, which was nice. And mm-hmm. I like when season premieres try something different and set up like, okay, that's the reason the last story ended here. This is the reason this story ends here. And there was definitely between the dynamics between everyone, between the fact that Nancy was still figuring out herself. But I feel like this was the final chapter of that story. And because by the end of the episode, she did. But it was a little, it was more of a fun journey getting there rather than all the trauma she'd been through in the episodes before. I do have to say that I had to remind myself that although the time jump was a week from where we mm-hmm. left off on season two, and it had been a week for us yeah, since tried. we last watched, um, the viewers that watched this as it aired didn't have a week. They had, I didn't look up the exact time frame. I'm assuming months. <laughs> <laughs> so that time, that time period feels longer for the viewer watching in real time. But for us to see some of these, like in ser- season premieres, you have to have a level of like exposition to like catch people up because mm-hmm. they forget it's been months. Um, so for me, Nancy Drew fans do not come for me. You know, I write hard for the show. Some of the exposition was clunky for me. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like, that's a season, season premiere sometimes. They're not always home runs. And it's okay. But just like some of it's not the whole episode. It's just some of the exposition was a little clunky. And that's probably from my perspective of being like, I, I know how I just watched the last episode. <laughs> um, But I had to keep reminding myself like, oh, okay, this is like... This is what season premieres do sometimes. Um, But yeah, sometimes like the explanation of uh, George being frustrated with Nick. That was the one. Yeah. I was like, "Ah." it was a lot. A lot of the script is working a little bit too hard to like fill in those gaps. And it was just a week. Um, I don't know. I don't want to be nitpicky because I do love the show and it's like nothing against it. Like no one come for me, please. Like I'm no, still I, on your side. <laughs> I get it. Maybe if it hadn't have been that she'd already given him the week to take the choice to make his decision and rather he just hadn't answered her and he'd asked for a week. Um, so that to make her uncomfortable to make her mad about it. But it is, it was a little, I mean, it's on brand for George to be like ticked about something like we're starting to yeah. when she's mad like on um, brand but i do see what you mean or like the temperance explanations of things yeah that was the album and even like nancy like she was explaining like the college thing and people kept bringing up columbia and like some of those those this i mean the show's not always like this like mm-hmm. i think when you open a new season there's a level of like oh we need to remind people of, like where we are where the characters are and sometimes it works better and sometimes it doesn't and like i don't hold that against a show um but yeah there's some lines of dialogue that just didn't work for me and that's fine yeah that's completely fine i'm in some i think my favorite like expositiony um part of the episode was the dad's and because they use this the use of like uh Ryan not understanding grocery bills for the week. <laughs> <laughs> like that he's just and they're like, what did you, she's like my sorbet? Did anyone get my sorbet? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know if she got her sorbet. <laughs> but the, the scene where Ryan was cutting mushrooms and Carson's just looking and he grabs the mushrooms <laughs> off of his cutting board. <laughs> Took me out. 
But I will say, not to be nitpicky again, no one, please, I'm very, don't come for me. But like, there had only been a week and they're already comfortable with Ryan saying like, my daughter and stuff like that. Oh, and I was mm -hmm. like, seems a bit soon. I like it. I don't hate it. Like, I, I like that we've gotten there. But there was one scene where he said they were all standing around. I think it was Temperance. And Ryan says something about my daughter. I was expecting Nancy to like, turn her head and look at him but she was confident like she was like yeah so i do like the aspect of like they're figuring it out they've mm -hmm. been pushed into this like they were right into the deep end and they have to figure it out um but some of those scenes as a viewer i'm just kind of like oh oh okay we're good mm -hmm. we're, we're okay with it now um even though it does sometimes feel a little bit quick yeah, I know the week end opened up a lot of exposition, the week gap, but I also feel like it was used to like, we lost some of the fun stuff there. Like you said, maybe more of the Nancy at Ryan bonding or seeing how Ryan got on in this house because he's only been there for like a week. But by the time we like check into the story, he's at least got his burnings, even if he's not doing everything right. I also feel that the fact that the Nancy Hudson reveal, I believe, is that out there and everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that would have the town is such a character. I would have liked to have seen a bit more of a response to that. I know it's not particularly important to the story, but because Nancy Drew and we saw that in this episode is such like a hero to the town. The fact that I'm glad this hasn't changed their view of her, but I still think maybe we could have had a wee bit more of a conversation about that or just seen some people's reactions to that. Because it was, it's such, this story invested so much time into building up this reveal. And then I know the reveal is not the important part of it, but it would have been nice to at least gauge some people's reaction to that, see if the town saw her any differently. It's wonderful that they don't, but even if there was just an episode with them maybe juggling that or whatever, if you know what I mean. Isn't it Ace like that scene... does it? Yeah. What does Ace do? Isn't he? There's this moment in the beginning where Nancy says something, or maybe it's in the middle about being Hudson and Ace. Oh, and he's like, oh, you're Hudson, right? Yeah, he, and he's he like, like that. He's like, you're comfortable. Say okay. Like he's like but the to, audience insert. To Michael's point, I would have loved like I feel like they used a newspaper more in the first season with the Tiffany stuff. Like they could have mm -hmm. had like Nancy walking through town, and somebody like grabs the paper and sees like Nancy Hudson, and like she's walking by, and like we see like the oh mm. Nancy Hudson, like something like that, maybe to like to connect the dots a little bit more. But I don't want to. I let's talk about the things we like. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yes. I I don't like nitpicking Nancy because I love the show so much. <laughs> no, understandable, and we did just drag the Flash. Though this isn't really a drag of Nancy. It's more so no, like it's... a desire for certain things to connect. It's better in the show. Yeah. yeah. I think that what's interesting about this episode is it's not a case of the week in the sense that it doesn't automatically like we don't close yeah. it by the end. Um and I like that. Um especially because it is very weighty to not only have one murder but two murders in which someone's heart has been stolen. So I I, I like and actually frozen out of their chest like really weird. Um I was like what are we dealing with here? <laughs> very grotesque. And so I I really enjoyed that we're gonna potentially sit in this one for a little mm. bit because it has such high stakes, but also that like uh, that's our current a plot but then our b plot or potentially c plot is the prophecy that temperance says using her tarot cards and the way she just says one of you so it's like no there's no clear indication of which person is going to fall into which fate except it was a little wink at um the one fulfilling their destiny would be nancy and that is how like a domino effect everybody else's Ill, Ill, their 
fates that aren't that great that's gonna fall into into place mm-hmm. and i was like how's that gonna happen so do we think that her accepting the position of the sheriff liaison person is somehow fulfilling her destiny of being like the for lack of a better phrase guardian angel of horseshoe bay <laughs> it's possible especially when that lady showed up like and it, it was really it meant something it's supposed to be just for volunteer stuff extracurriculars and instead it did the town decided unanimously because of this murder like we don't trust fbi guy over here we trust you and you will solve it and she's like you can you can do stuff off book at your discretion <laughs> <laughs> I, can we talk about fbi guy yeah yeah I the second i saw him i was like not you i i knew there was one more layover to I'm before happy. we get to nace town <laughs> <laughs> and it, i'm fine with it but i was just like oh i thought we were oh i forgot about you as i knew he was coming yeah and i just forgot bit, about him <laughs> it's a bit like the same kind of like tomorrow kind of dynamic and that completely underestimate and i have my big town approach your little town approach is no good even though we're in a small town or whatever that kind of like like fiery chemistry between them quite quickly and that he doesn't want her help even though he knows she could be a resource and then you see that his approach isn't working the time needs a hero like nancy and so i think that set up an interesting dynamic between them. i love it when they do that the whole like big city thing doesn't work on the small town and nancy's exactly what the town needs and i think that's going to add an interesting dynamic to their dynamic going forward because if i don't know how many episodes he's going to be in out of the 13 episode season but they've they have a story to tell there and i can't wait to see where it goes See, I disagree about their dynamic, though. I mean, I love their dynamic. I'm yeah. really excited about it. I think I already ship it. We're already here. <laughs> but I think it's because they um, it is really risky to have two people, just the two actors, have this long interaction with one another where he has the majority of the dialogue. Um, and his brain is weird. Like, that's I think that's the thing that I really like about him. It's that he, like, lays everything out logically. And I think he does actually respect her method. I think mm-hmm. at this point, it's, she's she's just not objective. Like, had it been any other case, had the body not been on her land or unfortunately on her car, um, that that he would have been willing to, like, get her opinion on things, to to work with her. Uh, but that just wasn't wasn't the case. I love that he did his due diligence and he, like... He's like, yeah, you said your name very authoritatively on the phone. So mm-hmm. I thought I would, I would go look it up. I think this is kind of what she needs at this moment because Ace is not here. Well, he's here, but he's not romantically there for her, though. I, before We'll go to Ace watch in a moment because the looks we're looking. Uh, but the I'm really going to be intrigued by how they interact with one another. She's never been, she really isn't caught on the back foot. And she was this time in their mm-hmm. interaction because she assumed that like Tamora, he wouldn't see her value. And instead he said, no, you're actually you're quite valuable. I just don't need you right now. But like, mm-hmm. like because you you don't have objectivity. Uh, but yeah, I, I one scene and I'm already there. Also, he was looking at her <laughs> weird at the warehouse. He was like, yeah. he wanted to know what she was going to do, what she was going to say. Yeah, I think he was a little bit taken aback by the fact that the town was like, well, wait, what does Nancy think? And that's the town obviously really appreciates her that she's such a um, hero to them. And like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You never really saw, we heard about it. You never really saw that until now. So I don't know whether that was a moment for him because like you said, he he was aware of the fact that she could be useful to the case, but 
he decided opted against it. Whereas the town didn't care about that. They still wanted Nancy to solve it. And I think that's going to be a big part of Nancy's character journey throughout the season mm-hmm. because she is the hero of Horseshoe Bay. We've heard her call that before, but I think we're really going to get to see it in motion and like the town champion in her along the way this season. So it'll be interesting to see how his kind of approach differs with hers. And if he starts to realise that maybe her lack of objectivity is what could help her ultimately solve the crime because it's spilled into another episode here. Is this a season-long story we're looking at? Can we have Temperance as a season-long story and Mm -hmm. potentially Ace being a... What what does he do? He's like delivering fake chocolates. He's (laughs) getting caught up in in Amanda's dad's, I don't remember his name, um, scheme, and he's not even aware of it. And uh, Bess tried to tell him that this is how you mark you deal with a mark he's like i'll be careful i was like ace but you're trusting though yeah, yeah you just said that and it's like no no you just said it no that you that means you're not going to do it because <laughs> <laughs> that's the da that comes to carson with the um with the chocolate right oh yeah mm-hmm. i was shook oh, oh he yes. wanted to date her and she was like i'm, I'm here in professional business sir <laughs> <laughs> She does, I think, like him though. But he's just yeah. not you trying to catch me out. I'm actually, like you said, official business. I, <laughs> I think we're gonna circle back to it though. I love how excited Ryan was about um, the women who have been dropping off fake goods for Carson because he's like, "Ooh, you the hot family in town." I love Ryan, and I think this is the perfect example of a successful like redemption arc. Yeah. Slow mm-hmm. and steady wins the race. Like we were i know i was iffy about him from the beginning mm-hmm. still iffy about him maybe last season but like they like reveal the layers of like he's again just like a victim of the circumstances that's all he knew and now he's learning the drew way instead of the hudson way i love him he's so cute <laughs> <laughs> he is and he's such he's such good comic relief but also is really engaged in the plots um, that they have on the show. And he is actually And they're helpful. integrating him more yeah. into the Drew crew, which is nice. Carson deserves a break. Like, it was, he's been through a lot with them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is why it was cute when, like, everyone knew what she was talking about, about her centuries-old aunt. Yeah. And he was, and Carson was like, who? Her <laughs> <laughs> centuries-old what? <laughs> Like, it's just, this is one of the great things about Nancy, though, is, like, we had a beginning of lightness, then it got dark, but not so dark that we weren't able to have moments of levity or moments mm-hmm. of joy, because the Fanson engagement moment was also pretty cute. Yeah, um, it was. I don't know how they got those, like, when, the, is it one of the sisters that pushes the button, and then these, like, this raft thing goes up with a bunch of, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't even know I what mean, to call it, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was believable to me because Nick's a handy guy. He can do stuff. <laughs> and I mean, Nick and Ace, you put them together, they could probably work for Tom Swift. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was cute. There was It was a very special moment and it was deserving, I think, yeah. for mm-hmm. the characters in the show to have that moment. Although like the bring, continuing to bring back like how Nancy feels about it was kind of like, I, I, I didn't need it. I did no, like when odd. she was leaving to go get the or like oh Nancy didn't do anything and she was like I brought sparkling wine why are you coming for me I was like <laughs> yeah that was an, an unnecessary like shot fired <laughs> <laughs> I, it wasn't that deep I, I understand it wasn't that deep yeah it, no 
But yeah, but it was realistic. I feel like if she had said that, she said it to Ace, didn't she? It's not about Nick and George or whatever. It's not about what's going on there. It's about what's going on with me. And I think that was important as well because I agree. I don't really feel like it was necessary, but at the same time, it was a real the, me- we said, the mechanics to get to that part. Yeah, exactly. We got there in the end, and I think the scene between Nancy and Ace was was worth it when we actually did get every, there. Every every Nancy and Ace. It's so and yeah. so. That's why I want as much as I love Trucin. Stop sunsetting it. <laughs> Let's yeah. just get to, to the name. Yeah. <laughs> we did that. She dug out of the grave. We're done. <laughs> yeah. I don't like I don't know who necessarily that's for, right? Because if we if the show is leaning so heavily into Nancy and Ace, which with this season opener, my goodness, I mean the the looks that they um they give towards one another, like one when one is not looking, the other is looking. And I'm just like I was like the eye emoji every time it happened. I was like moving closer to the screen. I was like, what's going to happen? Um, and the <laughs> fact that like Bess keeps checking in on him about Amanda and he's like, we're fine. We're good. We're fine. I was like, are we? Because yeah. you don't say fine that many times. Like, we're not, <laughs> not that here. fine. not yeah. here. <laughs> no. Um, but in that moment too, where they were all, I don't know what they were doing at the end when they were all gathered around, I was like, Nancy's not there. And then they panned to the stairs and I was like, oh, Ace wasn't there yeah. either. <laughs> <laughs> we finally saw that stare moment. Every time you type in Nancy or Ace or Ness, that, that scene picture. comes up. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it was worth the wait, I tell you. <laughs> Yeah. And she opened up to him, um, and she opens up to all of her friends, but there's a specific way that she opens up to Ace um, that feels mm-hmm. very vulnerable, because um, it's about, I think it tends to be about her failures. Like, it's not like him pushing for her to say something um, to him. It's him recognizing she's upset. And in this case, she's like, the explanation of, you know, Columbia being a dream for her. And for that not, like, I felt so bad when she was out, outside the warehouse, because a lot of people go through that, where this was the school I had my heart set on. And not only did they not waitlist me, not only didn't they say, try again, they just said no. Like, what do you do after they said no? And she did mention she had backup schools, but that's not, they're backups for a reason. Like, that's not where she wanted to go. Yeah, she felt unwanted by the thing that she she wanted, the thing that she thought would give her a new start. And then the thing that she was running away from was like her town, her story, her everything. But she f- realizes in the end that the thing that she wanted to move on from was that's what chose her. That's what wanted her was her town was like, mm-hmm. we want you to to be here for us. And she was like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it, it, there's always that grounding moment in young adulthood where we have these goals, we have these dreams. And sometimes you get to this moment, I've had this moment where sometimes what you realize what you wanted isn't necessarily what you need. Mm -hmm. And that can be a really, really, really difficult moment. It's like, it shakes your ground, it shakes your world. You're like, I had this one thing that I was working toward that I thought that I needed to, to be me to find some sort of happiness, satisfaction. And you're like, wait, that I mean, I don't think I I need that. I don't know if I want that. That's not necessarily necessarily for me anymore. And I like that this can be like a really good subtle depiction of priority shift of like mm-hmm. it can be simpler than what I thought I wanted. And it's the journey's not over. Like she can revisit that at some point too. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. very empowering uh, to be able to accept. And she had to do it towards the end of the episode. But like once you have that moment and you accept it, and then you you, you grab hold you claim what you do need it can be very powerful and I think that like for Nancy to feel 
like all the pieces came together. Like I don't have to fight or struggle anymore. I know the truth about my family. Like I know what happened to my biological mother. Like I've had a good relationship with my dads. I've come to terms with my feelings for Ace, even though we had to put those on the back burner. Like I know that I don't need to leave town into in order to be somebody. Like because that was a question she had for Ryan. Would you be proud of me if I was just writing a newspaper out of college? If I was like going to class or something like going to class or something. Um because, or do I have to do something extraordinary in order for you to care about me? And he was like, what? I'd be proud of you regardless. What are we doing? What is this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever yeah, you want to do. Yeah, she's having that mental tennis match that you have at in your 20s um, mm-hmm. expedited because of her huge circumstances. Um, and I think that's important to see. Like, to your point, it's empowering. And I think her choosing this this fate for her this like that choosing what is choosing her is going to be a way for her to put some roots in in horseshoe bay take the power Mm -hmm. back because i feel like so much of her story has been chosen and taken from her that she can be like i think i can do some good i think i can make my mark and before i leave because maybe this is where she's headed is to to leave this chapter behind she might have some unfinished business whether personally or supernaturally (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it it definitely feels like the culmination of that chapter because if you look back nancy kind of struggled she she was excited at the idea of being a hudson at the start she was excited about the idea of doing all these like detective works and stuff but there was also that underlining darkness and that underlining like sense of loss and she was like looking for her place and season two was all about that when she when remember when she had that emotional moment with the college girl and she had that emotional moment with the child then um with the with the fire demons that were haunting her um just overall you can see that nancy has very much been looking to find her place and i think the beautiful thing about season three was that the premiere was that she finally realized that horseshoe bay and uh her friends the drew crew carson and ryan all of it is home and that's where she needed to be that's where she wants to be she just didn't realize until that moment she had the rug pulled out from under her and then looked around and saw that actually this was the decision she wanted to make all along and if you look back at her story about how she felt lost at certain times or how she hit that like really dark spiral after she did morally questionable things not it's not just about reputation but her reputation is nancy drew the hero of horseshoe bay the town that she loved all of that meant so much to her and now i think she finally realized that that's where she wants to be with her life and i think that's a beautiful ending to at least the first chapter of nancy's story so i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from here and what she evolves into now that she knows she's where she needs to be yes just a gorgeous, gorgeous show, which, I mean, I'm happy that we're like, we're, we're on the road to being caught up in time for season yeah. four so that we know like where she grows and where they intend to take her and where they intend to take the Drew crew um, and her dads and the Nace, the Nace watch will be staying. I, when you were talking, Reed, um, I had an epiphany and I don't know if this is what they're going to do, but it's interesting that um, in the episode in which Nancy realizes that her place is in her shoe bay, Ace has come already come back from his trip with Amanda, which is supposed to be longer, I assume, than um than what had happened. So I was like, are you gonna find out that your place is Hershey Bay as well? Because they had and it was a season one or is it I think it's in season one. They're both the heroes of Hershey Bay. It's put in the newspaper as like, mm-hmm. a way about to to move forward in what that means for both of them. I mean, not to get tin hatty, but I really do um like that 
he's back in town at the same time that she decides she needs to stay as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've always been like a bit of a dynamic duo. So I hope this season explores that more. Not and obviously within the capers and the stuff they get up to together. But um yeah, I can't wait. I, I think Nancy finally sees him now. She was so used to him being there. He was like her support. And now I, I don't I don't know where it's gonna go. I mean, we have a vague idea of where it's gonna go, but I mean I can't wait to see how it's explored. Mm-hmm. Uh, which this leads us to the toast as we move towards the end of the podcast, which again, Reed, I believe you said this privately, or maybe you said it on the last pod. It's always Kennedy now. We're always toasting yes. her. She's the most toasted. <laughs> yes. Uh, this time it's not for Nancy, though. And we have not seen the backdoor pilot of the um, for the good So I don't want to give you all the impression that we have. But seeing the um, the promo for it and I just in the feed, there was a featurette that they released, too. I'm so excited that Kennedy is bringing something different. Like this is not, you know, when after you've played a character for a really long time, actors get nervous about whether or not they picked a role that is too similar and she disappears into the role on The Good Lawyer. Um, that is not Nancy Drew at mm-hmm. all. Kennedy is I is she gonna be a hair actress? There's this there's this person on TikTok that's like, there's some people who are lip actors or mouth actors, eye actors, teeth actors, and I'm like, is Kennedy a hair actress? <laughs> she dyes her hair, and I'm like, you are Joni DeGroot. I'm <laughs> like, I don't see Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> and oh just from what we've seen so far in the shadows you can just tell she's gonna kill her like oh, God. Even, the emmys like, the yeah. emmys just lying in wait yes give it to her now i mean like uh in the season three premiere there were some great nancy moments and then just pivoting and seeing her doing something completely different in the good lawyer i just cannot wait to see it for a whole new audience to see her talent because i can feel it's coming i just i can't wait to say it I we know, also and- do a dual toast for Ooh. Leah Lewis, who yes was yes. just got cast in the Matlock pilot for CBS, so yes. booked and busy Drew Crew girls. Yes, we love to see them succeed. We do love to see it. I think it's just like it's nice that even though the the show is ending, like it's not goodbye to these actresses. Mm-hmm. Like we will be seeing them again, and I hope Matlock Matlock gets picked up, and I hope the Good Lawyer. I yeah. feel like the Good Lawyer thing is a formality. I feel like what would be the point of doing the backdoor pilot and doing so much press for this if they weren't already like, oh no, they have it in the bag. We're already ready. Like we just need <laughs> to let y'all do, like do this episode so you know what's coming for you. And as I always say. I want Wendy to be renewed just so that all my favorite actors can be on it. Like send everybody to independence. I want to <laughs> see if God forbid something happens to Winchester. Get Drake in the Wild West. Yes. Get I want to see Madison from uh Nancy. I want to see her in a fancy corset dress right alongside Abby and Kate. Yeah. I want to see Ace in a cowboy hat. I want to see Tunji on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see them all in independence. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's like if we're going to do like crossover cameo things, like let it be them. Wendy's the place yes. to do it because Westerns, you can come in and out. We need the CW multiverse back. Yeah. CW actors to be all over the place again. That's what I want. Yeah. Oh my God. Manifesting, writing it down from the mall, bullet point, give it to them. <laughs> like it's just because there's just so much. There's so much potential for fun with the CW mm. and these actors have spent so much time together um, that they all do enjoy one another. So for them to get to be like on a on a CW show that allows them to do like things that they didn't do on their own, that'd be great. Mm. Bring back but the yeah. CW first. 
And also toast to Kennedy, not to, I didn't, yeah, I just for toast. <laughs> toast to Kennedy. Uh, the Good Lawyer episode is Monday, March 13th. Uh, but yes, toast to Kennedy um, yes. and to the CW girlies thriving. Uh, and that's like the best way to end the pod, though, mm-hmm. just so with so much positivity. So um, I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. We're the CW Spiral. Thanks for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.